bit of Asian, uh, a little bit of Jamaican, a little bit of Puerto Rican, a little bit of Macedonian, a little bit of Tanzanian, a little bit of uh, hillbilly, a little, a, a, little, a little bit of hood. We got a little bit of everything, a little bit of Mexico, a little bit of Poland. We got a little bit of everything in this church. And guess what? I'm so grateful that we can pull together all of our cultures, all God's people, and worship the Lord together. There is a word from the Lord. Praise him. You can go down. Give them a hand. Just a few things before we get started. I know T mentioned it, um, but I, I want to allude to the fact that we have, I think Terry said, about 15 youth. And we do have a youth camp that's filled with hundreds of youth. If you do not have a child, it takes about $300 per child to go. Uh, not all the kids may go, but if you don't have a child, be a surrogate parent today. See Brother Dave after the service. See if, you, if the Lord's laying something on your heart to maybe sponsor a child or spark support for a child. Uh, for we want everybody to go and to be able to interact. Uh, and we're so grateful for all of you, my father's children. I want to thank our men. Our men are really stepping up. Can you give them a hand, guys? <laughs> We had a small entourage go over and uh, work on uh, the Utica campus yesterday uh, and cut down grass about this tall I saw over there and the men have taken over that project for me. They'll be upgrading and, and looking at the Utica prop property and doing some painting and some other things to keep it up uh, for right now. That's something that's taken off my plate and that's very significant and I'm very grateful uh, to you guys for doing that. For those of you who work and do stuff and there are a lot of guys that do stuff and they won't allow me to say anything but I just said thank you anyway. Uh, thank you for the stuff you do it is greatly appreciated you guys ready for the word yeah. all right you can clap for that we can clap for the word all the time I'm gonna do something a little different today I'm going to read so we can get some context for how we're going to start this I'm going to read uh, Romans chapter 1 starting at 18 through 20, 31 my reading may be longer than my preaching today. Hopefully somebody said, amen, I'm hungry. But at the end of the day, <laughs> Mark, if you could hop 30 on that clock for me, 35, please. And uh, we're going to get going. And then after that, I'm going to pull up at chapter 2, and we'll all read chapter 2 together. Amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. So this is uh, where we left off last week, and I think it's pertinent for us, for those who missed last week, to be able to get some of that so we'll know what we're talking about today. Uh, and so verse 18 says this, and you can put it on the screens, guys, if you want. For the wrath of God is revealed. You're welcome to read with me if you want. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. 
For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and then likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion, some, some, uh, some translations say lust, for one another. When men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetedness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, hmm. disobedient to parents. Parents don't nudge your kids. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they can, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, for all of those who are ready, we're going in, and if you could start at chapter 2, let's read these verses, chapter 2, 1 through 6. This is where we are for today. Let's read. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Mm. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the richness of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and penitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath because God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render each to each man according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek the glory and honor and immortality, he gave his eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But, the, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and then to the Greek, for God shows no partiality. I'm going to preach to you for the subject, and they didn't put it up there because I didn't give it to them. Who? Look at your name and say, who? Me? You may be seated in the presence of God. God, speak your service, and then we'll be careful to give you the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Dave, so far, I did get a community message from Facebook. Last week's message may be blocked, but you can get it online. I can see it, but you may not be able to see it because things like this that are preached aren't necessarily comfortable uh, for today's generation because as the generations go, we tend to uh, matriculate further and further away from the will and the word of God. But we see from this script that was written 2,000 years ago that this is not new. We think our culture has just gotten bad. It's been bad before. It's been bad enough that we believe that God flooded the earth because it got that bad. It's been that bad enough that we believe that God destroyed an entire city because of wickedness in it and men's hearts were given over to, to wickedness. So this is nothing new. And as I begin to read this, Paul goes, 
goes down a litany. He goes down a list of whom the wrath of God is stored up for because he's talking about different types of people. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, he's talking about different types of spirit. You helped my leg. Thank you, God. Uh, that he's talking about different types of people. There are different types of people. We might not all fit these categories, but it's amazing. Can you imagine being in church and Paul, he begins to harp on different types of sins. He, he talks about people, and I could imagine that, that uh, it was just like a modern-day church. When they were reading the letter in the Roman, they say, you tell them, preacher, you tell them. And he'd get to the, to the disobedient to the parents, and the parents say, you tell them, pastor. And they, they get to the haughty people or the angry people, and, and the ones who have been offended said, uh, you tell them, pastor. And those who, 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 who were homosexual, they get to that, and they say, you tell them, pastor. And then they get to the lesbians, and they say, you tell them, pastor. That was the best sermon I ever heard you preach. And then I like the way he does in the King James Version. Because after he set them up and they said, look at all those filthy, nasty, dirty people in the King James. You know what it says, Pastor Ernie? And such was some of you. Before you look down your nose at the center. <laughs> look at yourself. Before you lift up your mouth in judgment to judge another brother or sister, you should never look down on somebody unless it be to pick them up. When you got excited about last week's sermon, I need you to ask yourself a question. Why did you get excited? Brother Ernest said it was good. I appreciate that. But I wonder why it is that I got so many likes from that sermon. I wonder will I get as many likes from this one because this is where Paul is talking. Paul is talking to a Jewish people, to, to, to a culture that is based off of living according to the law. They're based off of trying to live holy and righteous. And no doubt when Paul was reading this letter, and that's why I read the first part, they begin to look down their nose at other people and say, I, I'm saved, I'm good, I, I don't have to worry uh, uh, about that. And, and, and I don't have to deal with these things. And, and, and they they um they would get haughty behind themselves but what Paul is letting them know is that all of us need God all of us need the master and many times in Christendom we look externally instead of internally and that's the case he's trying to make for Romans. But he's trying to make a case for Romans. When, when, I was a, when I was a young boy, I remember sitting on my dad's couch when I went over to my dad's house. And I was watching this TV show, Brother Stephen. And, 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 and when I was watching it, I, I remember it distinctly because it seemed weird to me. But there was a group of people and they were all around. Maybe you've seen this show. And there were all sorts of dysfunctional people that were on the show. And, I, and when I watched it, I thought it was weird, all the situations. And, and there were a ton of people, and then all of a sudden they began to chant like they were in the Roman Coliseum. You know what they were saying? Jerry, 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 Jerry. You're laughing. You know why? <laughs> Because it was the Jerry Springer show. And Jerry Springer became popular because people love to see dysfunction. And you know why they love to see dysfunction? Because when I watch Jerry Springer and see how jacked up your life is, I can forget about mine. 
When I look and see your mess and start pointing fingers at the things in your closet, I forget mine. It's easy for me to say that the people on the outside need saving, but I submit to you that there are some people on the inside that need saving. There are some people that have been in church all their lives that were baptized in this building, were not born into the body, and although they are spiritually uh, what they would call snobbish or moralistic, that's what I call secular moralists. Those are the people who think that because they can have a certain type of moralism that if you ask them, are you going to heaven? The first response is, yeah, I'm going. Uh, you think you're a good person? Yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I like animals. I'm kind to animals and, and things like that. They have a certain side, side of morals. Matter of fact, these are the people who get incensed. I'm finna get blocked again. But I'm, Facebook is fixing to kick me off again, but that's okay. I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna tell it. These are the same type of people that get mad at you for abusing an animal, but are okay with you killing a child in the womb. That's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement. They set up their own type of morality. They don't set up God's standard. They set up their own morality. They decide what they decide, deem is possible and what's okay and what's not. Those are those type of people that look down their nose at other people and set their own standards for righteousness. They are what we call self-righteous. Everybody says self-righteous. These are these type of people from a religious standpoint. And, and, and this is the thing that Paul is presenting to us last week, the case that all of us need a savior. And many of us were probably saying, oh, I'm so glad that none of those people sound like me. He began to speak in all those categories. And last week we spoke about the godless and the unrighteous, and those that not only do wrong, but throw parades and hold flags for other people that do them. If you can't say amen, say ouch. People that celebrate the things that God said that he doesn't really want to tolerate and from a religious standpoint those people are easy to spot out because they're blatant in the way they live they throw caution to the wind to the believer it feels good and comfortable to judge those people because we can categorize and see their sins and compartmentalize their behavior that no matter how bad I am at least I'm not as bad as them but Paul talks to some who could be considered the secular moralists and the self-righteous religious people and these are the people who have come to some moral compass of right and wrong, but they are not truly submitted to God. They decide what's right instead of God deciding what's right. They decide what's wrong instead of God deciding what's wrong. People say, what's your stance on abortion? Whatever God's is. What is your stance on sexuality? Whatever God's is. My opinion doesn't matter because I didn't hang the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky. I didn't put the earth on its foundations. I am not God, and it is not my job to tell God, the king of the universe, how to govern his creation. The Lord is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. I don't care what your poll said. I don't care what your focus group said. I don't care what popularity said. I, I serve a God that said, let God be true and every man a liar that the word of God is our straight edge. The word of God is what we live by. The word of God when you start preaching like this unfortunately may be the way you die by but it's still the word Amen. of God. 
We don't get to pick and choose which ones. That's why I like going straight down the line. So you can't say pass the picking. That's just, you can tell when I'm going to preach next week. You know how? Unless it's a special occasion, all you have to do is keep reading, and that's where I'm going. Step by step, you can study before I get there. There's no agenda behind my preaching. I'm simply preaching what God left in, in his word. But in this week, Paul is talking to these sec, secular moralists, more, uh, people of secular morality, morality, and they generally are people who have to always say in this, I'm not hurting nobody. See, what they do is their sin is not bad because you can't see their sin. It's what you call socially acceptable. Because nobody's attacking me, we feel like we can get away with our stuff on the inside. We see this in a rich young ruler. The Bible says the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, good master, what must I do to gain eternal life? Check out the book of Matthew. And Jesus looks at him. He says, you know the commandments. And he goes through the commandments and he said, good, Jesus, this is, I've done all this stuff. I've been a really good person. That means I'm going to heaven. Jesus said, you still lack one thing. What do you mean I still lack one thing? He said, go take everything you own and sell it and give it to the poor and you can have treasure in heaven. And he, the Bible said he dropped his head and walked away because he had great possessions. Why? Is Jesus against people being rich? No. Is Jesus against having money? No. But the problem was he didn't have money. Money had him. And Jesus said, I'm not after just your good behavior. I'm after your heart. I'm not for your outward expression without your inward submission. You have to submit on the outside and then you'll do right on the outside if you do it on the inside. God is looking for something deeper than just lip service. God is looking for an internal change in our life. He's looking for us to be changed from the inside out. Unfortunately, in our Christian world, we have been, uh, we have been marred from people that are always trying to, uh, to fix people from the outside in. Brother Dave, they can't even get in the church. I'm not talking about this church, but another church. Before we tell them, well, you, you, your skirt too short, pull that down. This is that, and you need to do this and that. And you haven't even got their heart yet. Get their heart. Now, here's the if you've been here for a long time, I'm going to get you. But at the same time, if you knew, I know you have to grow. You have to grow. We're so worried about cleaning what the outside looks like that we don't care about what the inside is. I don't worry about it. You know why? Because if Jesus gets your heart and you stay in the word long enough, I don't have to change it. The Holy Spirit will guide your heart and you will say, I do whatever pleases you. I dress with whatever pleases you. I go wherever pleases you because my heart is to please you. Not just moralistic rules. Keep this and keep that. As long as I check these boxes, I'm a good person. There are many people who check the boxes but won't make the kingdom. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. I said it again. There are many people that will check the boxes but won't make the kingdom because you don't get to heaven by being a good person. You don't get to heaven by doing good things. You get to heaven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, by, by submitting to God. You don't get to heaven by being smarter than anybody else. That's why Paul said in, in verse uh, chapter 1, professing themselves to be wise or rather the educated elite, they were foolish. Because the Bible said that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. You can have more degrees than the thermometer, but if you don't have Jesus, you are educated and bankrupt morally and spiritually. Why? Because there's nothing on the inside governing you but your flesh. I hope y'all as mature as I think you are. I know you are. I know you are. I know y'all. 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 Y'all okay out there? 
But if we are not careful, we can end up passing judgment on somebody without realizing that we too are in need of help. For the gospel is not just for the drug addict. The gospel is not just for the people that we say are morally depraved. The gospel is not just for people with rainbow flags. The gospel are for, for people who wear red, white, and blue. Because the gospel is for every sinner because all of us are sinners. And we need the grace and the mercy of God. And what he's saying is, don't get so high on yourself because you too need God. And no matter where you are, if your sins are big or small in your eyes, no big or small in other people's eyes, all of them come from three root causes. Somebody pull up Joshua chapter, John, 1 John 1, 2, 15 through 16. 1 John 1, 2, 15 through 16. Let's read what it says. This is a disciple of Jesus. What does it say? Love, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, number one, the desires of the eyes, number two, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. This is where sin springs from. And you find it no matter where you go. When you see original sin that theologians call, when she saw the tree and that it was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and good to make one wise, arrogance, pride, she took it and she ate. And she gave it to her husband who was with us. And all of us have those things in us. We have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I want to break that down for you. The lust, he says, for all that's in the world, that Greek word is cosmos. It's not just the earth. It's the system that's been set in place. See, God set a kingdom in the earth when he set Adam and Eve here. But because Adam and Eve sinned, they abdicated their role. And now there's somebody out there called the prince of the power of the air, that there's a different system just like God has a kingdom and he's the Lord of hosts or the Lord of the heavens armies Satan has a kingdom too and there are different ways to operate inside of the earth realm there are some natural things that you can do but there is a spiritual war and spiritual warfare that is going on and he says that when you get into the system of the world the desires and the cravings of the world he said don't love the system that is decided it can operate apart from God because after a while, <laughs> they feel like they can do it without God. You know why people are scared of AI? Stephen, you know why people are scared of AI? They say that people are scared of AI because they think that if they create something too intelligent, it could one time think that it's more intelligent than us. You don't know anybody like that, do you? You know why we fear that? Because that's what happened with us and God. God created us, and then we figured we had more sense than him. <laughs> we made our own government. We made our own moves. <laughs> we make our own morality. We do what we want, and, and that's the nature of sin, that you will rebel. All the things that are in the world system, he says, the lust of the flesh, that's the cravings of the sensual nature. That doesn't always have to be... Physical in nature. Got a little baby here. That doesn't have to be so physical in nature, but it can also be the lust of the flesh. Could be a piece of sweet potato pie, and you're a diabetic, and you know you have no business touching it. It is true. 
Lisa, you got me. I got myself too. <laughs> the lust of the flesh could be a, 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 a titillating conversation when you're talking about somebody else's business and you don't have no business doing it. It, it feels good to the flesh. The lust of the flesh could be me turning my phone into a God and I look at my phone and my social media and look at my phone more than I look at my spouse. That's the lust of the flesh. I watch more influences on, on YouTube than I spend time talking to my kid. That's the lust of the flesh. I'm giving my flesh what it wants and denying my family and, their, and my kids what they need because I'm satisfying what feels good to me. And they know how to make it work. I'm a computer scientist. They know how to make algorithms that, that can mark human behavior. And they know what gets the serotonin to flowing and will make you do the likes and the clicks. They do that to manipulate you. They work the lust of the flesh. And before you know it, you wasted a whole day of productivity not doing anything with your life watching somebody else do something with theirs that's the lust of the flesh it's not always deep and tawdry but we find sin in our ways some things that are good can be made sin if we abuse them Ooh somebody said I wish he'd hurry up and finish I'm not done yet <laughs> it hit me first so don't feel bad Cravings for things like social media and pornography and, and, and Instagram, which is pretty much soft pornography now, and TikTok. Because you can see things on them that the human eye has no business seeing and the pride of life, meaning things that lead to arrogance and pride and ostentation and presumption and boasting. How many degrees you have, how big your house is, how big your 401k is and your IRA, how, how many friends you have, how many people look up to you in society, how many people think that you're just the bee's knees. I'm showing my age now, Brother Day. So the people uh, of what you do, you introduce yourself and you don't tell them who you are you tell them what you do that's the pride of life when I introduce myself and I don't say hey I'm Willie I say hey I'm Pastor Barry how you doing letting you know who I am so you can respect me that's the pride of life people often ask me what are they what should I call you I said my mom named me Willie you can call me Willie because I don't have any pride in that. I'm just, I'm just a servant. I'm not perfect in it. But how many times have we spent and wasted our lives getting degrees we don't need, doing things and buying houses and cars that we really don't want to impress people that are not going to like us anyway? That's the pride of life. Pastor, I will come to church, but I got to go to work to pay for this big house that I never live in. And, and I'm going to work till I retire one day so I can actually see the big house that I got, even though it's overpriced in Royal Oak. And once I get that house, I'm going to get to about 65, and then I'm going to move away and not even live in the house I bought and go down south. And by the time I get where I'm ready to go, I've wasted my life working, and now it's time to die. Yeah. The pride of life. Has anybody fallen victim to the pride of life before? I think we've all fallen victim to the pride of life, haven't we? We make decisions based on how it will make us look to someone else. Not 
One time do we ask. When I told my daughter what schools you want to go to, there's some schools I wanted her to try out to. But I said, Haley, make sure you pray and make sure wherever you go and whatever you do, it's what God wants you to do. Because I can tell you for a fact, it is a hard place to be to realize you've got a degree and the thing you've got a degree for, you spent $100,000 for something that really makes you miserable because you didn't really seek God. And the thing that was fulfilling only cost you $15,000 to do. And now you spent $100,000 when you really could have got some certifications and did it and been happy and fulfilled in your life, but you were worried about what your classmates thought. And they tell you, everybody got to go to a four-year university. I got a master's degree. That's great, but everybody doesn't have to go to a four-year university. Some people can live a happy life, and they can get a trade. They can go and, and go to junior college. They can do whatever they want. You seek God for what you want to do. Don't make your life decisions based off of what will impress other people who are really not thinking anything about you because the pride of life is sin, and it will destroy your life hallelujah the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life the lust of the eyes craving for the things that we see when we see that we see that all of us all of us none of us are exempt but we have a human tendency to look down our Rules for thee, but not for me. <laughs> Paul is letting us know that all of us are in need of the gospel. We saw it during the pandemic. I had pastor friends that were always worried because half of that church was judging the people that would wear masks while the other half were judging the people that wouldn't. And that you're evil because you won't do because I, I, I want you to do. The pride of life. I think I know it all. I'm arrogant. And now, post-pandemic, we realize that most of the stuff that we thought we knew was what? Wrong. But there are people who are still not, still not talking to family members. Why? Because they let their pride get in the way. Pride will destroy families. Pride will destroy marriages. Pride will destroy relationships. There are still people over elections that happened years ago still not talking to parents. That's based off of what? Pride. Because our ego won't let us back down. Let's keep going. Verse 2 through 3. We almost realize uh, the sinfulness of our behavior. Now we know that God's judgment against those, verse 2, I'm reading in the NIV for right now, Romans 2 and 2. We know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Everybody say truth. truth. It's not based on opinion. His word is truth. None of this conversation will make any sense to you and you won't agree with any of it as long as you interject your own opinion because there are two models right there and you got to choose which one you, you want to follow. Oftentimes I've told people to do stuff and they won't do it and they say, they'll come back and ask for my help. I said, did you do what I told you to do? No, but I, mm -mm, I can't help you. Why? Because my help won't help you because you don't respect my help enough to do it. You can't say it doesn't work until you tried it. Honestly and heartily, God's word is based on what? Truth. I think that's mean for God to do that. Well, that's based on your opinion. That's not based on his truth. His opinion said, I made you, therefore I made the rules. Wow. 
based on truth. So when you are a mere man past judgment and yet do the same thing, do you think that you will escape God's judgment when you're looking down at other people? Do you think you're going to get away with what you're doing? Oh, God, deliver us from the old church where people were self-righteous and they told you not to steal while they were stealing. They told you not to sleep around while they were sleeping around. They told you not to cuss while they cussed like a sailor. They told you not to drink uh, not to drink while they had, had Henny and Remy and Coke and, and all the other stuff. And then you're laughing because some of y'all are those people. You know what those are in, in, in your refrigerator. Those people who judged everybody else but did the same thing on a different level themselves. You think you're okay because you don't run around on your wife, but you're looking at half-naked models on Instagram. If you can't say amen. Oh, this is the real church here. If this is your first time, we do it raw here. We just tell the truth. Tell the truth because the truth makes you what? Free. Everybody okay out there? Do we need to see the, send the EMTs anything? Okay, we're good, we're good. We're going to keep going. <laughs> You think you okay <laughs> because this person's sexual sin is open, but you're struggling with the same thing. You're struggling with the same lustful desires. The only thing is we see theirs and we don't see yours. And both of you need to take them to the cross. God died for, the, for you to be free from those things. He wants to deliver us from being so condemning and so judgmental. That doesn't mean that we don't judge right and wrong, but there's a difference between righteous judgment and self-righteous judgment. Righteous judgment says this is God's standard. You did not meet it, and I want to help you meet it because it's the best for your life. Self-righteous judgment says you ought to be ashamed of yourself. That's what self-righteous judgment does. But he says here in verse 4 and 5, he says this. Pull up verse 4 and 5. I'm just going to teach today. You know what? I, I wasn't going to even tell anybody, but I hurt my calf, and I couldn't hardly walk two days ago. The brothers called me, and I was in the hospital at uh, urgent care. I didn't tell anybody. God's helped my leg so I can preach this sermon. They'll probably hurt when I finish. But thank you, Jesus, for helping my leg. <laughs> I can walk. I had to crawl up the stairs almost. What does it say? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Let's read it together. Don't be scared. Let's, re let's read it together. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead us to re repentance? Now, somebody doesn't know what that word forbearance means. It means that many people think just because God hasn't pulled the trigger on them yet that they've gotten away with it. You may get away with it to your last breath. You may get away with not coming to church and not believing in God to your last breath. But here's the problem. After your last breath, spiritually, you got a next breath. And because he's saying, do you think he's talking to the Roman church? I'm not, he's not talking to y'all. If the shoe fits, fine, but don't feel bad. He's talking to the Roman church. He's saying, do you not think that because of your irrepentant heart, he says, you yourselves. You yourselves are receiving the mercy of God. That's his kindness. What's his kindness? I was taking a CPL class yesterday, Brother, uh, Brother David. When I was taking a class, 
they were giving us scenarios and saying, what's basically, I don't want to say, what's a good shoot and a bad shoot? And sometimes they would get into one and the class would say, well, that's a good shoot. And he'll say, yes, it's a good shoot, but could you have chose something different? Could you have just walked away? Could you have chose another way to do it? Could you have chose a less lethal option? Could you have made a different choice? God's mercy is there because although God has a lethal option, which is called, we talked about it last week, that word orge, judgment and wrath, God has chosen, if you're still breathing, that's because God has held back a portion of his wrath. And that the fact that he has the right to give you capital punishment at any given time, but your heart is still beating and you're still breathing and getting a chance to hear the word, even though you know you're guilty, that's the mercy of God. That's the kindness of God. And when you realize what you should get and, and realize what you're actually getting, you draw to God. That's why it says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. That's why it's hard for people to come to real Christianity because we don't tell them what real Christianity is. We just say, raise your hand and pray this prayer and we believe you got born again but you have to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. And what does that mean? Believe on his authority, which means that Christ is the authority in my life. My way is going down the highway and Christ's way is the way I will live my life I'm going to submit to God and I have to count up the cost because to live with him I have to die to myself Amen. that's why Galatians 2 20 says I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live it's not I but Christ that lives in me and the life that I do now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God that's why we do that's why we do the baptism, because the baptism is a symbol of a death and a burial. That's why I tell Lamar, take them all the way under. We had to, to be careful because we bust Austin's head the last time he got, he got baptized. So we had to move people. We move them a little further now. But Mark was bringing somebody up. I said, put them down a little further. They needed it. They're going down a little, little bit further. And we, why? Because I want you to get the thought that I'm completely immersed. I'm completely buried. And when I come out of this water, although I'm already saved, symbolically, it's putting a trick in my mind that my life is not the same. My life is different than it used to be. Oh, Jesus. My life is, is not the same, which means that God has every right to judge mankind. You might say, who am I to judge? And you may be right. But you can never say, who is God to judge? Because he made us. Don't think because God has not brought judgment on us that he is not on the way. But a realization of that judgment makes us grateful for his mercy every day. Somebody wrote a song that says, morning by morning, new what? Mercies. I see. Thank God for those of you who have given Christ your hand and you have received his salvation. You don't have to do anything else to be saved. That's the kindness and the mercy of God. He, he, did, he loved you so much he knew you'd never be able to do it. He came to the earth, lived in a body, uh, 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 housed in, in, in humanity, and, and guess what? He died the death that you should have died. He was buried in the tomb you should have been buried, buried with. And the Bible says this, we know that if we were, if we were buried with Christ, we were raised with him. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. He did the work for you. All you have to do is receive him by faith. Because whether we like it or not, somebody said he's coming down the hill. 
I know some, some of the people from last week remember that he, he's coming down the hill. He says, all who sin apart from the law will perish from the law. I don't have time to get into all of it today, but I want you to go back and start reading and studying Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Don't just take my word for it. Go back and study it out. He's talking about in verses 6 through 11. Pull up chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. We're going to read it together, and we're almost out of here, guys. Chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. Y'all tired yet? All right, I, w- I want to be respectful. We'll, we'll read. What does it say? He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Wow. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but that obey unrighteousness, they will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For God shows no partiality. He's talking to a church that's mostly made up of Jewish people, and he's letting them know that he came to you first. So since you got first privileges, you also get first judgment. To whom much is given, much is what? Required. You don't just get to call yourself a Christian. What does he say? The judgment begins where? In the house of God. Well, they hold us to a different standard. I'm a pastor. I know. Well, they hold me to a different standard. Well, I shouldn't have decided I want to be a pastor. I didn't really decide. I followed the call of God. But to whom much is given, much is what? Required. Have a different standard. If I had to pay a price, I just have to pay it. You know why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. Let's read these last two scriptures and you'll see. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. Pull that up. I'm in a teaching mode today. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. What does it say? 2 Corinthians. It's up there. Let's read. So whether we are at home or away, We make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Wow. Last one, Revelation. Revelation 20, starting at verse 11. We're going to do 11 through 15, last scriptures for today. What does it say? Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books. Stop right there. You see it says multiple books right there, doesn't it? Pay attention to that. I saw the dead standing before the throne and and, and books. You see that? Notice that. Now let's go to the other one. There were so many people that you had to have books for them, multiple books. Books books were open. Then let's watch this. Watch. Then another book. How many? The other group of people, there were so many that it says you needed books. But for this one, it only says there's one what? You see that? Let's start it. Then another. Then another book was opened, which is the book of what? Life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. 
Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Pastor, did you get what you were going to say? No, I wanted that to sink in. If you're saved, be glad you're saved. Amen. Because not everybody will make it. And it should be our heart and our mind not to look down the nose at the sinner but because we know Jesus is on the way back to reach out to every single person we know to try to get them to come to Christ. Wherever we are, some people go through the natural hills and the highways and the hedges. Some people are going to go to the gym. Some people are going to go to the grocery store. Wherever you are, compel men to come to Christ. T, if you're online, you're good with online stuff. Get on Instagram. Uh, Tell people to come to Jesus. They may unfriend you. That's okay, but they can't say you didn't try. At the end of the day, all of us one day are going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it didn't say just for the people who were on their way to the lake of fire, but for us as well. You mean I'm going to be saved and I still get to be judged? Yes, because there are crowns in heaven and they're not going to be the same tears. What you do here determines what you get there. Somebody says, well, all I got to do if I can just be a doorkeeper, if I can barely get in the door, I'll be happy. That's good for you. But all of our deeds will be judged. Not in a condescending way. I've been in court before. And I've seen judges and sometimes they're just so impartial. And they come in and they're not angry with the person. They say, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? They just hit the court. Transactional. This is the penalty for this. Do this. Next on the docket. That's how it will be at the end. There's nothing nothing else to have a conversation about. If you were speeding and they gave you a ticket, the damage is already done. The penalty is what it is. You had a chance to slow down when you had the chance. Now there's nothing else to be done but the hammer to be given. When you get to the judgment seat of Christ, the choices you make here determine what's said before that gavel goes down. There's nothing else to be said. There's nothing else to be done. So I plead with you in this room and I plead with you of those who are online. Make sure you do on this side what will help you on that side. Christ may not come back for two millennia. But even if you were the healthiest of the healthy, you probably won't get past 125. When he comes and your heart stops beating, he, he's come back for you that day. And we have to give an account of how we treated our kids, how we treated our loved ones and our neighbors. Even if we're going to heaven, we have to give an account of it. I want everybody in this room, that's my heart, 
that everybody in this room know Jesus, that everybody that's listening to me be saved, that everybody that's listening to me go to heaven, that everybody on the live stream will give their life to God. I'm going to try my best. If they don't, it won't be because I didn't try. And it will be from somebody. You know why? Because I was you and I'm still you. I'm not better than you. I've just figured out how much I need him. And when I get out of pocket, Pastor Ernie, when I get out of line, I got people surrounded by me that get me back in pocket and get me back in line because I don't want to fall out of fellowship and, and realize that it could, the gavel could have gone a little bit better for me. I get into heaven, but there are some things that, that, that when my works are judged, I could have done a little bit better, and I missed it because I wasn't loving Christ enough to put people around me and say, Willie, you wrong. I know you were upset, but you shouldn't have never said that to your wife or your child like that. Willie, you're wrong. I, I know you're mad at your boss or at your job, but you could have done a little bit better. You, you said that to somebody, and now they're looking at sideways at you. Why? Because you should have kept it to yourself. I know they treated you bad or whatever the case may be, but you should have just kept your mouth shut and kept going and prayed about it. I don't know about you, but I don't want people around me that tell me what I want to hear. Those people don't love me. I was coming in here, and I was about to stand on camera with something on my face. And my wife said, hey, you can't go up there yet. I said, you got something on your face. And she made me stand there until I get it right. Why? Because she loves me. That's why I stand behind this pulpit. Not to judge, but because of love. And I want the best for you. I want God to have the best in your life. And as we open up this altar today, why did you name the topic? Who, me? Yes, you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, all of us. All of us are sinners in need of a Savior, in need of his grace. And if we've given our life to God, there's nothing else you have to do. You're saved by grace through faith. But have you given everything to him? Have you sanctified yourself? Have you released everything to him to give him the best offering you could? The choice is yours. As Turhan starts to play and Pastor Dave comes up, I'll give you a moment for reflection. But if, if you haven't, this altar is open for you. If you just want a new start on life, we're not your judge. We're here, a family to love you to life. We're here to nurse you back to health. Come on, Pastor Ernest. Prayer team, come pray with those who need praying. This is the hospital for the ailing. This isn't the courthouse. We're trying to get you.